Welcome to UWO Now. I'm your host, Wendell Ray. UWO Now is the place where we talk about interesting topics with the students, staff, and faculty at the University of Wisconsin Oshkosh. And today we're going to be talking about a serious subject that's uh, in our nation and around our nation, and that is in the healthcare industry. There is a shortage of nurses, and we have known about um, sort of attrition that's taking place in the healthcare industry for a number of years. And we're going to talk about how that is um, impacting nursing and how that will impact you and the care that you get and how the staff uh, at the College of Nursing here at UWO is preparing the next generation of nurses here on campus. We've got an outstanding program here at UWO. I want to talk about that today and address some issues that are of concern and how they're working through those issues here at UWO. With us today is Dr. Sun Yun Chung, who is the Dean of the College of Nursing at UWO, and Dr. Maria Del Carmen Graf, who is an assistant professor in the department uh, of the College of Nursing here at UWO. Ladies, thanks so much for coming by and talking to us today. Good to see you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. So, as I mentioned, there are a number of issues that uh, are facing uh, young nurses, current nurses, retiring nurses, the nursing industry, healthcare probably in general. And we're going to specifically talk about those, but I always like to talk uh, a little bit about you first so that our audience gets to know who you are and uh, understands um, why you got. Uh, to UW, how you got to UWO, why you chose to be here, and what your path is. So, uh, Dr. Chung, let's start with you. Tell us about who you are and how you got to UWO. Prior to joining here, I was at Illinois State University as an associate dean for academics, and I was overseeing their graduate programs, undergraduate programs, simulation lab, and student success down at Illinois State. And prior to that, I was at University of Maryland. That's why I also uh, got my PhD. So I have um, gone through different states, different institutions, and now I am at University of Wisconsin, Oshkosh. And you have asked why yeah. I came here. It's really because of the people. So when I was interviewing here, I got a chance to meet the faculty, staff, students, and different staff members in the university. And I was really, really thankful to meet everyone who was so proud of being a part of UWO who really cared about the community and really wanted to contribute to the society. So as I always say, we probably spend a little more time working than we should. And it's really, to me, means a lot um, on who, what I work with. Yeah. And so being around people who really care about making a meaningful contribution to the society uh, means a lot to me. So that's why I decided to come here. And Dr. Graff, tell us about your uh, path to UWO. Well, um, my path started back in my home country, Peru, where I earned my bachelor's in science of nursing. Um, I practiced in Peru for several years before I moved to Wisconsin. And um, there are several reasons why people move. You know, sometimes people move for, you know, economic reasons or war or like in history, um, religious persecution. But there is another reason why people move, and that is love. Mm. My husband is uh, from Ashkash, Wisconsin. So um, after we got married, we moved here. And um, transitioning to the new country, 
um, the new culture. I miss several of the things that I left back home. And one of those was practicing as a nurse. So um, how I ended at UW Oshkosh, well, one day my husband was driving me here in Algoma Boulevard and I saw the sign UW Oshkosh College of Nursing. So I asked him to stop. So I walk in the building, knock at the door and Miss um, Becky Cleveland received me. And that's how I fell in love with UW Oshkosh. It was the welcoming environment that I found the guidance they gave me. They gave me the answers that I needed on how to um, start the process to uh, practice in the United States first. And they were the ones who invite me to apply for the master's program first, which I did. I earned my master in nursing education here at UW Oshkosh. And I started teaching for um, the College of Nursing um, 10 years ago. And um, as I progress in my academic preparation and working, I pursue my um, PhD, which I earned from UW Milwaukee. But um, my love is here in, in Oshkosh. So I decided to apply for the uh, faculty position. And like Dr. Chan, I started on July 1st. That's when I, um, I guess I got promoted to be a faculty. Wow, great. And I understand what you're saying about uh, getting here and then um, uh, feeling really good about uh, the, the the university. I've been here now maybe three years, and I remember going through that process mm -hmm. and feeling like, yeah, this is this is a place where I'd like to be. Uh, I'd like to help and, and be a part of the the staff and the faculty. So I, I started off talking about some of the issues that are. Uh, in nursing today, probably uh, reflective of what's going on in healthcare in general. Uh, but I read an article the other day um, about uh, the nursing shortage. Fortunately, from what I understand, it's, you know, the ratio of nurses to the population is not too bad here in Wisconsin, but in some places around the United States, it's really bad. Uh, let's talk about that and, and, and what it is that uh, has caused this shortage um, and how we here are trying to address that. Uh, when I say here, I mean at UWO. So, Dr. Chung, tell us about uh, that, what, what you know about this shortage, when it started, when you started to see a decline in the number of nurses in the industry and, and, and what's being done about that. Sure. So nursing shortage is not necessarily new and similar to enrollment cliff in the higher education. Um, nursing shortage was something that was anticipated, especially because of the retirement of baby boomer mm -hmm. generation, which in general is um, those who are born between 1946 and 64. And so this was something that we have been anticipating and have been preparing for but really the COVID-19 has accelerated the retirements and have, in addition to that, have um, allowed the younger generation to leave the profession. Um, as you had mentioned, some of the experiences are not only nursing specific or it's not really specific to nurses only, it's also the experience that um, the other people in other healthcare professions have. But truly, the nurses through the pandemic had been experiencing burnout because of the increased load that they had, the, the extra work hours, and 
the emotional toll they had to go through because of seeing those who are suffering and more people dying uh, in the hospitals. And so that has really contributed to the emotional toll um, in the nursing population. So that has uh, increased the number of younger generation nurses under age of 35 leaving the profession, which have added to the shortage. So it was already a problem. And then COVID didn't help. It kind of exacerbated things and made it even worse, I guess, uh, because of that stress. And I certainly can relate to that. I remember the stories and talking and you watch the reports in COVID about the stress levels of healthcare professionals, those who are on the so-called front line, including nurses. And so understandable. So nurses began leaving the profession. What about nurses coming in? Are there fewer nurses coming into the profession? And either one of you can address that. Yes. Thankfully, at this point, we have more nurses who are qualified um, applicants, really applications. Um, Recently released report from American Association of College of Nursing that was recently released around October shows that nationwide we have 90,000 plus qualified applications that were turned away because of faculty shortage, clinical um, site shortages, classroom shortages, budget restrictions. So we do have a number of students who want to become nurses, but we aren't able to um, accept all of them because of some of these other restrictions that we have. Oh, wow. So, okay. <laughs> so that that's another issue mm-hmm. then. So not only do we have a shortage amongst nurses who are practicing, but there also is a shortage amongst in the faculty ranks. And is that for the same reasons, just because of attrition and people retiring? Or what has been the, the, the decline there? That is part of it. The baby boomer generation, not only in the practice world, but they're in the academic world as well. Um, last I've checked, the average age of assistant professors and above uh, who are master's prepared are um, close to 50 both for tenure track and non-tenure track, both masters prepared and doctorally prepared, their age, the average average age is around 50 years and above. So the retirement is one thing, but the other big issue that has been um, discussed is salary because um, nurses, you can pay, you can be paid more. Your compensation is higher in the practice setting. So essentially, in order for you to serve as a nurse educator, you need a master's degree at minimum, and you can be a doctorally prepared faculty. And you can earn more as a nurse practicing in the practice setting. So you would actually have to invest your time and cost for to go through a program to get further degree, and you have to work and become an educator with less salary. So Mm. that is part of the reason. And also, again, going back to the COVID, um, because there has been a a lot of, you know, um, additional pay that was given to practice during COVID, and some of the faculty or instructors were leaving educational setting to go practice. Now, Dr. Graf, now you decided to be were you practicing uh, before you came to UWO? And so you made that transition to decide to become <clears throat> faculty. Why? Why? What was the motivation for you to become a faculty member and teach as opposed to practice? For sure. 
So I was a practicing nurse before coming to the United States, and I practice here in America as well. A couple of reasons why. Um, I come from a family of teachers. So being an educator is mm -hmm. part of my family, I guess. Who you are. Who yeah. I am, yeah. growing since my, my mother, my uncles and aunts teaching. Um, when I was growing up, actually, I was deciding what I wanted to do, if I want to be a healthcare provider, like a physician, or if I want to be a teacher. And uh, thankfully, I found the profession that allowed me to be both a healthcare provider and an educator. Um, when I moved to the United States, um, I faced several cultural clashes, and one of them was as a patient. So my life experience allowed me to be in like what I called in both sides of the bed, yeah. as a patient and as a provider. So all my journey in the, the United States related to healthcare has that um, dual perspective. For example, the first time that um, I was sick um, and I needed a prescription, a medication, I got adverse effects of the medication. The medication worked perfectly for everybody else, but not for me mm -hmm. because of my cultural background, because of, you know, like where I came from, you know, the different type of diet, the different okay. type of diseases that we have, where I'm come from. So that's what the sparkle, my curiosity about cultural competent nursing care. Uh, when I did my master's, I just dedicated that time to study that the effect of culture on health and healthcare outcomes. And that is part of my scholarship as well. So I felt like a call to pass that down to the new um, nurses. Um, we have a shortage of nurses, but also significant discrepancy of um, diversity within the nursing workforce. Um, I'm currently the only advanced certified transcultural nurse in the state of Wisconsin. So the certification is difficult to acquire because one of the requirements is to have at least 2,000 hours of patient-nurse interaction, meaning that the patient should belong to a different culture. Mm. So we live in a mainly homogenous state where there is not that much diversity, but I guess in my favor, I was the variable. So every time I took care of a local patient, it was a multicultural encounter. Um, so I had all those, um, I guess, um, advantages that prepare me to become an adequate educator about cultural um, care. Now, so that's what I decided to pursue education. Now, for someone who may <coughs> not be aware that there are differences or that something may come up in patient care uh, that is uh, due to cultural uh, misunderstandings or just being unaware as a patient, what were some of the things that you, uh, besides the medical uh, prescription issue that you ran into, uh, or were there other things that now you're trying to make students aware of when we're talking about cultural awareness? Mm -hmm. uh, what were some things that we could, you can educate our audience about that they may not uh, even be thinking about? For sure. So um, cultural humility, for example, or ethnocentrism, in healthcare, 
we all receive education to care for others. You know, that's our primary goal is to have our patients um, recover their health or at least to bring them back to a baseline health status where they can be functional. We all have that desire, but we forget that one recipe doesn't fit everybody. Mm. So we forget that there are certain differences, cultural differences, um, the way how we metabolize medications, the way how we perceive health and illness that make us all unique and different. So while the intention is good, we all health providers want to help our patients. We cannot forget that there are certain subtle differences that we need to include in our plans of care, not only for nurses, but in general for all healthcare providers. Um, so that was one thing that I noticed. For example, um, I was very sick and um, the, I asked for the medication and uh, it was I was informed that that medication was not approved in the United States. Okay, well, they, what else can we do for you? And I was explaining that maybe if I met the provider who was Hispanic or Latino, they may understand where I was coming from. And um, I had a Peruvian doctor, I'm Peruvian, but he was born in Peru. He grew up all his life in California. He was educated here in the United States. Mm -hmm. So the intention was good. It was very good. and. Kudos to all the people who did all that work to find, you know, a good, yeah, good nationality match, match yeah, for yeah. me. But um, at the end, you know, I, I needed a doctor who was culturally prepared to take care of me. And it could be a doctor born in the United States with, um, you know, like several generations of um, family born here in the United States, as long as they understood my culture that um, gap could have been breached. Mm -hmm. and, and that's what I dedicate my uh, scholarship and also uh, my teaching towards to help my students bridge that cultural gap that they potentially may encounter with their patients. Here with us today is the Dean of the College of Nursing at UWO, Dr. Son Yun Chung, and Assistant Professor Dr. Maria Del Carmen Graf. And they are telling us about some of the things that they've experienced uh, as nurses and now as educators, uh, how they're trying to fill the gaps that are out there in the, in the industry. There is a shortage of nurses, which brings on stress. Uh, and we're going to talk about how they prepare nurses for that inevitability and what is going on in the industry to help nurses to uh, increase the numbers and what we're doing here at UWO uh, to participate in that endeavor as well. So we were talking about cultural differences and uh, one of the things that you're doing here, uh, uh, Dr. Graf, is I guess teaching about that. Is that correct? Yes, that is correct. So um, currently, uh, the, the College of Nursing, besides the um, theoretical content that we have in which cultural care is embedded, we also offer for our students the opportunity to travel abroad and to partner with international uh, colleges of nursing to um, learn more about the effects of the social determinants of health in the communities held worldwide. Why? Because um, globalization happened 
and now um, we basically are moving around the world. Mm -hmm. You know, we are we have this constant mobilization of people around the world. So the face of our American demographics is changing quite rapidly. So um, our nurses will encounter patients with more complex conditions that may have, you know, prior uh, from coming to the United States, in addition to the different perspectives they have about health, illness and healthcare. So uh, we offer the opportunity to travel abroad during their last year, the first semester mm. of their last year of nursing. Um, we have partnerships with universities in India, in Peru, my home country, in Argentina, in uh, Colombia, in uh, Nicaragua, um, very soon with the university in Spain. So, um, well, I'll go there. Can I go there? Yes, <laughs> anytime, anytime. And um, these international clinicals had been a trademark of our university for quite a bit, uh, of our College of Nursing, excuse me, for quite a bit. However, we had to stop due to the COVID-19 pandemic. So during that time, in order to continue offering these opportunities for our students, we started um, International Nursing Students Roundtables virtually. So this month, we will celebrate the fourth International uh, Nursing Students Roundtable titled The Role of a Nursing Students in Decreasing Health Equity, and it's a cycle that I call Sharing Our Voices, with the participations of uh, five universities, um, Sri Ramachandra from India, the Universidad Católica de Santa Maria in Peru, the Universidad Cooperativa de Colombia in Bucaramanga, Colombia, the Universidad de Buenos Aires in Argentina, and representing the United States, the University of Wisconsin Oshkosh. Wow. Dr. Chung, tell us about your, your, this College of Nursing. You train nurses not only at, uh, to, to be nurses, but there's also an opportunity to get advanced degrees in nursing as well. Tell us about all that we offer here. Sure. We do have undergraduate programs to nurture nurses. So we have traditional BSM program, which allows students to go through the program in four years. Uh, the last two years focus more on nursing courses. The first two years focus a little more on gen ed courses. And so the students will be able to be uh, take the NCLEX exam, which is the National Licensure Examination at the end of the program. So that's our traditional BSM program. We also have accelerated BSM program for students with bachelor's degree in a different major. So you might have mm. uh, a degree in biology or even music, really. Mm, it doesn't have to be a science degree. And you are able to go through our accelerated BSM program in a year. So we have those two programs. We also have a BSN at home online program, which is for nurses who are already practicing nurses, but associate degree prepared nurses. They are able to also get their bachelor's degree. Uh, through that BSN at home program. We do have programs to nurture advanced practitioner. We do have um, BSN to DMP, so you don't need to have a master's degree to come to this advanced degree program. We have the BSN to DMP program for family nurse practitioner and um, nurse anesthesia emphasis. So those are the two major emphasis areas we have in our BSN to DMP. Program. We are also looking to offer 
Psych Mental Health NP program. So that's something that we are looking to offer in the future. We are in the process of developing that program so that we can address the increased <coughs> need for <coughs> mental health in the area. And yes, and we have master's level programs too. One is focused on nurse educators and nurturing nurse educators, and then the other is clinical nurse leaders. So those are the two emphasis and that the fact that we are offering the master's in nursing educator um, is what allows us to have more nurse oh. educators. So you're able to field. turn over your own students uh, into faculty members, I guess. That's the goal there. A lot of our faculty in the College of Nursing right now are alums of UWO, College of Nursing. That's and great. oftentimes they say they come back because they really appreciated their experience here. They remember some of the faculty that have really changed their life, and that's why they come back. You talk about the roundtable that's taking place. We talked about cultural significance and uh, issues that uh, nurses and healthcare professionals in general need to be aware of. Uh, we're talking about delivery of care to uh, a, a wide variety of uh, patients. Uh, the United States is growing more diverse every year. So having that type of an approach, I would imagine, is now part of a curriculum? Or how do you integrate that type of understanding into what you're teaching the next generation of nurses that they have to, you know, how do you make them culturally aware, I guess? Right. Part of study abroad was one um, area that Dr. Graf has mentioned. Mm -hmm. um, thankfully, this is a nationwide uh, initiative. So um, it's understood that uh, promoting health equity and having diverse workforce really contributes to providing um, culturally competent care. So it's part of new essential competencies mm -hmm. for mm -hmm graduating <laughs> nurses and advanced practitioners. So that is, um, we are currently in the process of upgrading our curriculum to meet the new essential competencies that were set forth by the American Association of Colleges of Nursing. And so that is being part of all, everything we do within the curriculum. Being a nurse outside of COVID is, is tough enough. Mm -hmm. Um, and I would, I, I can imagine that during COVID, uh, it made things worse. As we mentioned, it, it just added to the stress level, uh, of being a nurse, uh, and some decided to retire even because of those, uh, uh, stressors. Talk about the, um, preparation that I guess you try to, uh, provide to those nursing students. Uh, how you try to make them aware or how you try to prepare them for the mental side of what's going to be happening as a nurse and what they're going to have to deal with and some of the, the pressures that they deal with uh, on that uh, at the bedside of a patient. Well, I think that um, we are living the aftermath of COVID right now. I want to believe this is the aftermath. Mm -hmm. And um, one of the lessons that we learned from COVID was the importance of mental health. And as providers of um, healthcare, of providers of care, we are always focused on caring for our patients and we tend to forget about caring for ourselves. <clears throat> so right now, I think that um, we are trying to switch that focus and also integrate the care of the nurses 
especially mental health care. It is not that physical care is not important, but um, mental health has been an area that's been negated for so long. Um, excuse me, my voice sounds very funny. <laughs> and um, But we need to integrate that into the curricula. Um, we need to um, offer the support our students need to be successful beyond passing their um, NCLEX examination as practitioners. Um, whatever the um, final destination of their uh, professional career leads them to. So at, as a bedside nurse or as a um, advanced practice um, nurse, we need to prepare them to be successful, um, not only academically, but also uh, physically and mentally and in their health in general. So, okay, you, what, how do you, how does then uh, a, a young nurse or a veteran nurse instill that into their regular professional diet, so to speak? this self-care what are some of the things we're talking about taking time off or what are we talking about we need to make a pause we need to um, invest time in mindfulness we need to invest time in getting closer to our students and offering a space in the classroom where they feel safe when they feel safe and when they can express their emotional um what where they can express their emotional health where we can promote emotional health and well-being at the same time. Um, we need to be closer to them and make them feel comfortable that they can come to us and said, I can't do this anymore, or what can I do to improve my grade? We cannot continue being uh, having this distance or this wall between the academicians and the students. We need to open you know, the um, communication with them and foster that culture of safety. Um, we've seen you know, instances in which nurses are leaving the workforce because there is lateral violence, you know, nurse against nurse. Mm. We need to be past that, you know, like we won't be here forever. We are actually preparing the ones who are going to follow on our steps. So we need to have those channels open where they can feel comfortable and they can't you know, not only develop resilience, but also thrive in the nursing profession. Yeah, I could imagine uh, being a healthcare provider, you've got someone that you're trying to help. Mm. Uh, and with there being a shortage and coming out of a pandemic, there was, there are more patients, uh, more stress, more questions that maybe they don't have the answers to and they have to feel like they do have the answers to and then there's pressure to be right and uh because you know making mistakes can can be fatal, fatal. yeah yeah so that is that is a that's a tall hill to climb i guess mm -hmm. and instilling that early in in the academic side of it I guess gives them at least a knowledge of, of what to expect and how to deal with those things. And uh, but let's talk a little bit about uh, the um, switching gears a little bit about the roundtable, a little bit more about what that is and why we participated. What's the benefit of participating? You mentioned it's, uh, well, I'll, let me leave it there. Tell us about the benefits of participating, one of you, uh, mm -hmm. uh, in, in that roundtable and how the students benefit from it. So nursing is a discipline that cannot be practiced in silos. We are a worldwide workforce. And um, 
our students need to be exposed to what nurses around the world are doing. We need to collaborate, we need to partner. I think if we had partnered before, maybe we, ha we, would, we would better prepare for COVID. Instead of being separated, if we were partnering already, we could have been better prepared for COVID. So um, students benefit by learning that around the world there are other nurses who have different languages, who look different, who may have you know, different infrastructure in their healthcare system, who are doing or who are centered in the main goal all nurses have, which is our patient's safety and well-being. So there is not the only difference that we have, maybe, you know, our names, the language that we speak, but bottom line, we are one, you know, worldwide workforce. And um, that also um, creates cultural humility. You know, it's, it's a partnership that we have. They benefit by um, being exposed to what is happening around the world and the work that nurses are doing to um, help their patients. Do the, the, does the College of Nursing here at UWO train nurses who go out beyond the state of Wisconsin? Uh, tell us about the impact that we have uh, in terms of on healthcare, not just here locally and in the state, but regionally or nationally. Yes. The education we provide allows the students to get certifications or licensure at a national level to pursue it at a national level. You might be getting a certificate or a license in the state of Wisconsin, but you can always endorse that license to different states. And so you are able to go to other states to practice. So they, our students can practice nationally after they graduate as long as they look into endorsing their license. So today we're talking with Dr. Sun Yung. Sun Yun Chung, who is the Dean of the College of Nursing at UWO and the assistant professor, or one of the assistant professors, one of the professors in at the College of Nursing, Dr. Maria Del Carmen Graff. Um, just a few more minutes with you today. Wanted to make sure that we cover everything. We've been talking today uh, about uh, the issues facing nurses today, uh, how UWO is training uh, the next generation of nurses, making them culturally aware and uh, help, better preparing them for what they're going to face once they become nurses. Uh, and at the school, uh, there's not a short, apparently there's no shortage of applicants here. Or is there, how are we doing here in terms of school, a college of nursing, attracting people uh, to uh, the school? Uh, I started off the program talking about there is a shortage of nursing, uh, as we've seen in other healthcare uh, areas. Uh, but there is a, a shortage of nurses uh, in the country. Uh, but we don't necessarily have that too much of an issue here in the state of Wisconsin. But it is an issue uh, around the country and being addressed by uh, various uh, programs. And But if students are interested in nursing here and can hear this pr uh, program, they're always welcome here. And there are opportunities for them to excel here as well. Is that correct, Dr. Uh, Dr. Chung? Absolutely. Uh, so tell us about what the, some of the issues, or some of the benefits of coming to the UWO College of Nursing program, some of the assistance that they might get. We are really dedicated to supporting students to be successful. And we have our advisors, our assistant directors and directors of the program who are closely supporting the students so that they can feel 
um, safe. Mm -hmm. uh, being at the College of Nursing, that they can reach out to their professors and instructors when they're struggling with anything, that they would be provided with the support to be successful in the program. Um, other than that, if there are others who are pursuing graduate degrees, for example, in the master's uh, program or doctoral program, um, the state has provided loan, loan repayment programs where if you are pursuing master's in nursing education, and if you commit to teaching, then you can get $30,000 loan mm. repayment. Okay. And if you are pursuing a doctorate degree, especially uh, an MP program, so doctorate in nursing practice degree, then you can get $40,000 um, loan repayment at the state um, in the UW system, especially that, uh, in the Oshkosh. That's a significant amount of money. So that, that's good to know. And, and at UWO, at the College of Nursing at UWO, you, represented here today by two fine members of the faculty, but also uh, the health care um, profession here in locally uh, is involved in the College of Nursing. Tell us about uh, that relationship. Absolutely. Um, we, our students, have the opportunity to get real-life clinical experiences in the clinical agencies around here. Uh, obviously, they have um, an opportunity to learn through simulation, and we have a mm -hmm. simulation center here but they can um, get the real life experience in the clinical settings. And we have, we're fortunate that we have chief nursing officers in this region who are serving as board of visitors in our college. And that includes, you know, chief nursing officers and directors in theater care, Advocate Aurora, Ascension Mercy Hospital, um, St. Agnes and the SSM Health, and many others, you know, Winnebago Mental Health, um, and Aspirus, Gardner, um, Garnison, and so, and um, Children's Hospital in Wisconsin. So we have a number of directors and chief nursing officers in the region who are dedicated to partnering with us to make sure our students are getting what they need and also are practice ready uh, to contribute to our communities. Outstanding. Good work you're doing here at UWO. Thanks so much for coming by. Uh, we've been talking today with Dr. Sun Yun Chung, who's the Dean of the College of Nursing at the University of Wisconsin Oshkosh and Assistant Professor in the College of Nursing, Dr. Maria Del Carmen Graf. Ladies, thanks so much for coming by and talking to us. Good to meet you, first of all, and thanks for coming by and talking to us. I think you've helped us understand some of the issues uh, facing nurses today. Thank, Thank you. you. All right. That's all the time we're going to have here today on UWO Now. Thanks so much for joining us. Remember to uh, tune in to UWO Now. You can find us on all your uh, favorite platforms for uh, podcasts. And you can always tune in to uh, the UWO YouTube page and watch the episodes there. That's all the time we've got here today. Thanks so much for listening. I'm Wendell Ray. Until the next time. <music>